and subjugate its people and erase its identity. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Hello and welcome to Back Chat with Anna Fenton and me, Jim Gould. And on Back Chat this morning, we're talking about the presidential election in the Philippines, where Ferdinand Marcos Jr., the son of the late President Marcos, has won a landslide victory. So we want to ask, what were the factors in the voting? What can we expect from the new president? And what are the challenges now for the country? And there was also a record high number of votes cast by Filipinos living in Hong Kong. Uh, to discuss uh, all this, uh, we're joined on the line by Eman Villanueva, a spokesman for the Asian Migrants Coordinating Body, and uh, Christine uh, Vicera, who's a, a Filipino writer, researcher and filmmaker uh, based here in Hong Kong. Um, good morning to you both. Um, perhaps, um, um, Christine Vicera, uh, we could uh, ask you first. Uh, hello, good morning. Hello, thanks for joining us. Uh, it sounds as though we don't uh, necessarily have a great connection there. Um, can you hear us okay? Yes, yes, I can hear you. Can you okay, hear me? Okay, yeah, uh, yes, there, there's, some, there's some interference. We'll give it a try and we may have to try and reconnect. But, uh, All right. Okay, so... so um, Ferdinand Marcos Jr. has described his victory is described as a, a, a victory for democracy and for all Filipinos. Um, how do you see it? Yeah. All my, all my, you know, everything I'm going to say is just based on my observation, and yeah, um, I see it as a victory of disinformation and not, and not Okay, so I'm sorry, to, sorry to interrupt you there. Uh, uh, a victory for for disinformation, you say? Hello. Yeah, I'm sorry. We've 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 lost you. We were going to have to uh, ring off and reconnect anyway because the. Uh, uh, the audio quality was pretty poor. So just ask our, our producer to try and get to pr Christine Vicera back. Uh, in the meantime, um, Eman Villanueva, uh, good morning to you. Hi, good morning. So uh, w what is this, uh, the, the victory of uh, Ferdinand Marcos Jr.? What's it going to mean for uh, Filipinos uh, working here in Hong Kong? Well, uh, you know... Uh uh, Marcos' uh, victory is uh, actually uh, something that is not, uh, you know, surprising. But uh, we are also expecting that his, you know, the the the, the Marcos and the Duterte government is going to do everything to ensure the to ensure their victory. So it's not somehow surprising. No. Uh, but at the same time, we were not expecting, you know. Uh, uh, something like you know as brazen as uh, we have, what we have seen on how they they uh, rig the the election. So there's this uh, 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 broad sentiment in the in the Philippines, for example, that the the election, the automated uh, election system, was rigged uh, to to favor Marcos and uh, you know President Duterte's daughter, who's running as uh, the vice, vice president, president. Uh, mm -hmm. with Marcos. Yeah. So how was it rigged? Well, uh, there are some indications, for example, that uh, uh, for the first time, the, the uh, automated counting was, uh, was quite quick. Uh, in fact, uh, the uh, closing of the voting in the Philippines was supposed to be about 7 p.m. 
uh, Manila time. And uh, in, in, a, in less than two hours, they have already counted uh, more than 50% of the, of the uh, election returns. Uh, there are also provinces who have not yet canvassed the uh, votes from the uh, local precincts because there were so many delays and so many um, uh, issues concerning the automated election. Um, uh, more than 2,000 machines uh, actually broke down uh, before uh, uh, noontime. So uh, a lot of delays, no? a lot of problems happened during the day. Uh, so uh, the, um, many precincts actually extended their voting period. In, in several instances, they all only reopened the, uh, the uh, voting precincts at 11 p.m. or you know, past 10 p.m. So uh, they were wondering how the results came in so fast. Uh, by 9 p.m., they were already counting more than 50 percent. You know, so that's that's one uh, major uh, you know issue. Second is that uh, there's also a pattern, a, a pattern of you know uh, the um, uh, the voting, wherein uh, in in all the uh, the data coming in, the pattern is that 68 percent of the votes uh, goes to uh, Marcos and 32 percent goes to Lenny. And, uh, you know, it's, it's actually happening uh, the whole time. And this is something, you know, it, it is highly improbable because, uh, for example, in the Philippines, uh, you have uh, places where uh, they, these places are bailiwicks of a particular candidate. So uh, in some areas where if the vote comes in, for example, from, let's say, a place from the north, which is the bailiwick of the Marcos, then you will see a significant increase in the votes of Marcos. But, for example, if it comes from areas which are areas uh, who are traditionally bailiwicks of the opposition, then there will be an increase of votes for the opposition or for Lenny Robredo. But, you know, it, it is consistently 68-32 uh, ratio, which is, again, you know... Sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? Yeah, too good yeah. to be true. Too good to be true, and it's so linear. You know, it doesn't happen that way unless unless it is pre-programmed. You know, so <laughs> so that's that's why there is uh, you know there is a lot of doubt on the on the uh, you know uh, uh, legitimacy of this election. But uh, well, the, 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 also uh, the uh, Commission on Election came out with this number based on what they call unofficial count. So if this is the Comelec and they are coming out with an official count, people are thinking, why are they actually publishing an unofficial count? Isn't that, you know, trendy, like uh, mind-setting uh, to prepare the uh, people that uh, it, uh, the victory of Marcos is uh, inevitable? You know, so uh, all this, you know, uh, and considering that all the uh, commissioners of the uh, Commission on Election are actually duly appointed by Duterte and mostly are from the from the city, you know, Davao City, where Duterte came from. These are either close friends or who have worked in the city of Davao. And uh, even the, uh, the the Senate Committee on Electoral Reforms is chaired by Marcos' sister, who is a senator, I mean, Marcos. You know, all this, put them together, and you can see that the, 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 the Duterte government and Marcos uh, are actually in control of the entire electoral process. Okay, we've got uh, Christine Vicera back. Uh, hello. Hi. hi yeah, can you uh, that's that, that, that's much better. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to pick up from where you were before? Yeah. Sure. Um, so you mentioned you asked 
if it was a victory for democracy, correct? Well, that's what, uh, that, that's what the winning candidate declared. Right, yeah. Um, I feel like there are a lot of factors that play into this victory, and a big one that I feel isn't unpacked a lot, especially in Western media, is uh, the very uh, systematic and organized disinformation campaigns um, that, you know, th these campaigns are, are, weren't, didn't just take place over the past year, but, you know, they, they, they've, they've taken place over the past decade. And, um, yeah, that, that there's just a lot there. Um, against Lenny in particular, um, you know, there are a lot of uh, TikToks and, and, you know, posts on Facebook that kind of portray her as unintelligible. And, you know, from the people I've spoken to who are, who are uh, pro-Marcos, um, they would, they would uh, you know, present these, 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 these posts on social media and, you know, say that, oh, she's, she's unpresidential, you know, there, there, are, there are these clips where you see, like, I think that they're cut, so, like, she would be speaking, and then there would be snippets of different parts of the, the full interview that are uh, cut together, and, um, you know, people are buying into this, and, you know, the, um, I think the, the, a lot of the discourse is, like, you know, we need to move on from the past. So this culture of denialism, right? Um, you know, him, BBM is different from his father, um, and therefore we have to give him a chance. That's something that needs to be unpacked a little further as well. Um, and his critics have also talked about a, a rewriting of history, writing a, a different version of the Marcos yes. years while they were in power, while his father was in power up until 1986. So, um, and particularly pointing out uh, uh, vi videos on YouTube and that and that kind of platform. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The historical revisionism mm. that has taken place immediately after, right? The the People Power Revolution. Um, it, it's just it's just rampant, and you know you have these organs of modern political consciousness like mass media and public education, and that now you have like Facebook and Google and even TikTok, right, which have become the primary gatekeepers of social reality. Um, so how do you kind of you know uh, as a, as a as a layman, how do you navigate all of that, right? Yeah, because those of us who've been around for a while, of course, uh, remember the People Power uh, Revolution uh, 36 years ago. And uh, uh, I mean, what's happened to that? I mean, how, how um, you know, many people would wonder that how have the Marcoses uh, been able to to make a return to power after the, the, the you know, the sheer... Uh, level of strength of feeling during that uh, largely peaceful people power revolution, which for, which forced Ferdinand Marcos Senior out of power, and um, now his son is back. And so you're saying that a lot of this is down to social media, and and, and the perceptions that are uh, sent out by social media. I definitely think that social media is one of the um, one of the it's part of the machinery, um, but you know you have a lot of Another thing is like this, this nostalgia, right, for the golden age mm. of Marcos, which you see in a lot of other places as well, um, right? There, there, this weaponizing of nostalgia, right? A lot of the uh, pro-Marcos uh, voters I've spoken to are like, oh, you know, he, he's done so much for the country, right? They immediately name drop like, oh, the hospitals, the infrastructure, right? The road networks and the schools.
schools. He's done all of this. But the thing is, people, I feel, are, you know, they, they fail to consider the, you know, the, the just just a lot of the human rights violations, the, the, you know, robbing the government because it didn't directly affect them. Um, and, you know, there's a lot... There's a lot to unpack there. There's a lot to unpack there. This, this like, spectacularization of state-run projects, right, which, which substantiate this promise of, you know, developing the citizen and developing the nation um, is, just, is just, you know, it's, it's a way to, to kind of weaponize this nostalgia of the past. It's like, wow, he's done all of this. Um, and it kind of covers up uh, everything, uh, all the other you know, atrocities that were committed. What do you think about the legitimacy of the count? Emin was just saying that it's come up with a strangely uniform result across the country of 68-32, which would give no account for certain regions being more pro one candidate than the other. I think Iman put it, you know, uh, put it really well. Like there are, this is electoral fraud, vote buying, all of this is, nothing new right to, to, to the Philippines and um, you know it's just people actually people yesterday were already protesting at the Comelec you know uh, trying to question these numbers why were all the machines broken but you know why were all why were all these numbers coming out so quickly um, so what does it mean, broadly speaking, for relationships, broader relationships like with China? Because initially in 75, Marcos was one of the first to uh, uh, make friends with China, wasn't he? So what does it mean for uh, China-Philippines relations? Um, I, I have to say that my comments on these will be very limited because I, I, I'm not an expert in, you know, foreign policy. But I do know that whoever, well... When the official results come out, whoever um, is whoever has to deal with that will have to face a lot of structural constraints, right? Um, in terms of you know whether they want a more uh, China-friendly policy. Um, but what I, what I see is that there will definitely be strengthened foreign policy alignment with China if they prioritize like capital and development. Um, yeah. Eman, how do you see the uh, the ongoing relationship with China changing as a result of the change in power in the Philippines? Um, I think uh, based on pronouncements made by uh, 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 Bongbong Marcos uh, himself, also with uh, with uh, some recent uh, uh, events where we've seen uh, the uh, Marcos family uh, having, um, you know, uh, meetings and also uh, sort of uh, courtesy calls with the uh, uh, Chinese government officials in, in the Philippines. Uh, probably it, it will be a continuation of uh, you know the third uh, foreign policy. Mm. Um, yeah, so that that's uh, I, I mean that's how I look at it. it I may be wrong, but <laughs> uh, I, I can only base from from you know from uh, recent you know events uh, and also their own pronouncements. But if I may add, you know, um, with uh, with regards to uh, you know the uh, how how the Marcoses were able to to you know to return to power after 36 years, I agree with Christine. It has a lot to do with 
with you know a well-funded, well-oiled uh, you know uh, um, uh, re um, uh, retelling of story mm-hmm. and changing the whole narrative to favor the uh, you know the uh, Marcus's uh, you know political plan. Uh, but there is also another side to that, which is the failure of the succeeding governments to first make sure that this. Uh, you know the dark days of martial law and the, the the whole story of how the government coffers were bankrupted by 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 uh, the 20 year you know rule of Marcos should be in our you know history books. It should be in the textbooks. Uh, you know the children should be learning from our history, uh, including how the, you know the human rights violations and the plundering of the uh, government coffers and the economy. You know this. This should be, you know, written in the textbooks. But in the Philippines, you 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 will not see this in any in any you know history book, especially in the primary and secondary school. Uh, people will only uh, you know encounter such you know narratives when they reach uh, you know college and in and also in a very limited way. Uh, secondly, the the succeeding governments were also not able to uh, bring to justice. Those who have, you know, who have uh, committed all these, uh, you know, crimes, I would say, you know, crimes against the people, uh, those who have committed uh, uh, human rights violations, many of them remain in power. Many of them remain to be, you know, one of the or some of the richest families in the Philippines. They were able to keep their loot, you know. Uh, the Marcos were allowed to leave the country and the, uh, uh, you know, they, with their billions of dollars. Um, that no one was held accountable. <laughs> so uh, they, that's also a you know uh, something that has to be accounted for by the succeeding government. And then thirdly, this uh, you know uh, political uh, accommodation <laughs> uh, actually uh, did not result to any improvement in the lives of the, the people. So I, I cannot blame some of my compatriots or many of my compatriots for thinking that for the past 30, 36 years, they did not feel that the situation actually improved. Mm. I mean, some, some would probably not see that, okay, uh, before you cannot, uh, you know, you, you cannot uh, even uh, talk publicly to criticize the government, but now you can, even in social media. But for, for many people, that doesn't mean anything. If they don't have food in their tables, if if people are still forced to look uh, work overseas, you know, <laughs> teachers are going to Hong Kong to become domestic workers, mm. doctors are going to the United States to become nurses, then you know that that, that doesn't really uh, add to the equation that you know things are not improving. So, uh, well, of course, the the sad part is that they would say that maybe everything was that it was probably fabricated. And so it was quite easy for the Marcoses to really change the narrative and to, to you know, to tell a different story that, hey, we were actually doing better during our time, you know. So why not give us another break, right? 
talking about people working overseas, so there, there was a high turnout of Filipinos uh, living in Hong Kong uh, voting in the election, uh, at least uh, 60,000, I think, um, and maybe more. Uh, yep. do, do you have any feeling that, uh, you know, w was there any sort of a, like, uh, uh, preference among the Filipinos voting here, or what, what, what was their feeling about the election? Well, I think, that, yes, there is. There is a strong feeling. There is uh, a lot of excitement. Uh, I think uh, the, it is an extension of well, what is uh, happening in the Philippines. Uh, there's also a large turnout there. Of course, uh, I mean, uh, I, I, I'm not discounting the, the problematic election process in the Philippines, but, but here in, Hang in Hong Kong, uh, yeah, there is this, you know, kind of uh, excitement in, in this election. And, and the Filipinos in Hong Kong are, are uh, you know, largely from the north, you know, and, uh, which is a bailiwick of the Marcos. Yeah. So right. when, they, when they learn that, uh, you know, the Marcos is, uh, I mean, Bongo Marcos is running, it, it actually you know, triggers that, uh, you know, uh, uh, feeling of, hey, you know, uh, it's our time again. <laughs> so... So yes, the, the the turnout actually showed. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, showed uh, quite very well. Uh, it is the second highest. Mm. Uh, the highest was in 2004, uh, and it was the first overseas voting. So the the interest of overseas Filipinos uh, in in joining the electoral process was quite high uh, in 2004, and then it went really really low after the election was rigged by uh, Gloria Arroyo at that time, you know, so, so no one wants to vote anymore. Well, a lot of people uh, were discouraged uh, from voting. But now, because of this, you know, new hype about uh, having another market, so there's this... Uh, and also, uh, also the opposition, you know, there was... Uh, of course, they, they get a lot less votes uh, as compared to what Marcos got, uh, but... They, I think uh, Lenny Robredo also did much better this time as compared to the 2016 election when she ran against Bong uh, Bong Marcos uh, for the vice presidency. Bong mm -hmm. uh, Marcos also won the vice presidential race in 2016 here in Hong Kong. So we were expecting that he would, he would you know, win again mm -hmm. the presidential race. But uh, yeah, Lenny Robredo got a significantly you know, better uh, 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 vote this time. So there's also an increase of supporters for those. So what's happened to Imelda? Because she was always a very colourful character. <laughs> uh, okay, so yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, indeed, she's a very colourful character. Well, in 2018, she was convicted uh, uh, in, uh, for seven counts of uh, graft, you know, and corruption. And she was supposed to be, you know, uh, she was, uh, the court ordered her to be put in jail. But again, this political accommodation by by the Duterte government, uh, even even the chief of the national police was saying they they cannot arrest her because she's too old. Which is, you know, uh, in the Philippines, if you're a uh, if you're uh, a poor, uh, you're you're from a poor family, and, and even if you are already old and you know sick. Uh, you might probably you will probably die inside a a, uh, a prison cell if you say you know uh, still maybe uh, worth twenty Hong Kong dollars worth of goods <laughs> goods. Uh, but if you're as powerful as Imelda, 
you know, uh, even if you were in, in her case, she was already convicted from uh, uh, having, uh, you know, uh, stealing uh, government funds. But yeah, she's still going around and uh, she was actually still a very visible person during this campaign period. So yeah, that, that, that tells a lot on, on how the justice system is in the Philippines. Christine, what was the feeling among fellow Filipinas who you spoke to in the run-up to the election? Wow. Um, so, just for context, I, I was born in Cebu and I came here when I was two. So I mm -hmm. technically grew up all my I spent my entire yeah. life here. And so a lot of my peers, you know, who are Filipino and who registered to vote, it was just like this weird sense of, oh, wow, we can still vote in a country where, in a, in a city where we can't. Um, so there was a lot of, like, you know, uh, navigating these emotions of, uh, you know, privilege, right? Uh, but also coming to terms with, you know, even though we don't live in the Philippines, we do have that power to cast a vote. And despite, like, the electoral fraud and everything that's happening in the Philippines right now, just being able to do that, being able to, you know, I guess participate politically was was not only a privilege but also something you know that you know hey we can still use our our, our agency we can still express how our political viewpoint um, so that's yeah Okay, well, thank you very much for joining us on the programme this morning. Uh, that was uh, Christine Vicera, who's a, a Filipino uh, writer, researcher and filmmaker, uh, Hong Kong-based, who grew up in Hong Kong, as you heard. And thanks also very much to Eamon Villanueva, who's a spokesman for the Asian Migrants uh, Coordinating Body here in Hong Kong. Um, a couple of uh, emails uh, to read. Or a couple of, well, this one is a Facebook message, actually. Uh, Howard writes on our Facebook page, uh, what can we expect from the new president? More corruption. Okay. Um, and this one from Andrew on a, a completely different topic, actually, he says, uh, some months ago I questioned why Hong Kong has three types of taxis. As usual, you ignored my question and did not open a discussion or seek comment from the government. Uh, now that a fare rise is on the way, could you ask a government to explain why the fare increases are different for red, green and blue taxis? Are the operating costs affected by the colour of the taxi? That from Andrew. No, it's about the relative average distance travelled. So the new mm -hmm. territories and Lantau, obviously the average flag fall covers a greater distance than on Hong Kong Island. Hmm. Okay, it is an issue that uh, could make a good uh, back chat topic, though. So we'll bear that in mind for for, for Friday, possibly. I uh, haven't decided yet. We'll see what else is happening. Um, but um, thanks to our guests. Uh, thanks to everybody who wrote in. Thanks very much to you, Anna. You're uh, welcome. And a quick look at the weather before we go to the news summary and morning brew. Uh, it's going to be cloudy with showers and thunderstorms. And the top temperature today, about 28 degrees. Moderate southeasterly winds becoming south to southwesterlies. The outlook, there will be showers in the next few days. Showers will be heavy at times. With thunderstorms, temperatures will be slightly lower early next week. Currently, it's 25 degrees. Humidity is at 97%. And the thunderstorm warning will remain in effect until 10 o'clock. Fight the virus, stay vigilant.
If you think you have a higher risk of COVID-19 exposure or experience discomfort, you can collect specimen bottles for free testing from designated public clinics. Meanwhile, the government will arrange free testing for targeted groups. To minimize the risk of community transmission, we should take the initiative to get tested. Together, we must fight the virus. Stay vigilant. Visit coronavirus.gov.hk for details. The news summary with Andrew Shirovsky. Thank you, Jim. A taxi.